Welcome to Pleasant Street Church. So good to see you all this morning. So it's just a couple of announcements this morning. Uh, we will be hosting another breakfast, and this is going to be on Palm Sunday on April 2nd. Uh, this is for the high school kids who are going to be putting this on. Uh, so come early, come, come hungry. This starts at 8.30. Uh, we also have uh, the softball outreach ministry is going to be looking for people to play on the uh, softball team. So if you want to see John or Scott, uh, that's Jonathan Steele or Scott Schneider after, after service. Uh, we also have after service, there's going to be a table set up with our Easter cards. Uh, so this is for families in need. We also have a lecture series. This is going to be at Fairlawn, and this is going to be this Thursday at 7 p.m. So last one was pretty good, and I'm hoping that this one will be just as good. Uh, so with that, would you just rise and body your spirit? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, mm-hmm. 
Almighty God, in Jesus Christ, you love us, but we have not loved you. You have opened your heart to us, and in our pride, we have spurned your care. You have given us all things, and we have squandered your gifts. We have grieved you and caused hurt to others, and we are not worthy to be called your children. Cleanse us from our sin and receive us again into your house. Let's take a moment in a silent confession of God. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God for his gift of redemption. I'd like to invite the deacons to come up now for our offering. They'll be passing the baskets around. On the back of the bulletin, there's a QR code too. Also, if you're online, you can give through the, the QR code too. Let's pray. Lord God, 
You are grateful. We are grateful for you. We are here to worship you together, Lord. I pray that this offering will serve your glory and further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
From 2 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, Aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and God of love and peace will be with you. So friends, as Jesus came down and, and offered us his peace, now is a time when we can offer each other his peace that he sent down. So the peace of Christ is with you. Look at these kids. They're coming up even before they're asked. You guys know what's next, don't you? Hi. You going to come over here? Perfect. <laughs> nice. I can't. Wow, they just keep on coming. All right. So is everyone up here that's going to Kid Street? Looks like it. People of God, what is our prayer? to love and serve Jesus. My name is Dawn, and I am one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and it is my privilege to lead us in prayer this morning. So if you would please join me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above, Heavenly Father, we are here to worship, here to bow down, here to say you are our God. In Psalm 46, verse 10, you tell us to be still and know that I am God. Stop worrying, stop fighting, stop striving for control and to be at the top. Know that I am God. Father, we live in a world where superlatives so often drive and tempt us. Most, biggest, best, largest, greatest. We have to get there. We need all the things. We vie for attention, the top spot, or the most toys. And sadly, we confess that we often overlook, or worse yet, run over others in our quest. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus, brother, friend, and redeemer, in this season of Lent, we are at a loss to fully express our gratitude for the sacrifice you made to redeem our otherwise hopeless and sin-filled lives. 
Thank you for entering into our messiness to show us how to live fully, love deeply, and walk in obedience to the Father. Thank you that you were obedient, even to death, to fulfill his plan for our restoration and redemption. We'll never know how much it cost to see our sin upon your cross. Jesus, during this Lenten season, our anticipation and excitement builds because through your word, we know the end of the story. Through your death and sacrifice, and in the glory of your resurrection, death no longer holds a grip over us. It has been defeated. Hallelujah. Father, we read in your word that Jesus wept at the loss of his friend. As a church family and community, we too have wept this week with the heart and planting of families in the loss of Cindy. We ask that you would comfort Derek, Isaiah, Michaela, and Ryan, as well as Harold and Barb, Chuck and Lauren, and David and Sarah, and all of the extended family. Let them sink into your arms when their grief threatens to overwhelm them and fill them with hope as they lean on your promise of life everlasting in your presence. We also remember others who have experienced loss recently, the Stinson, Koistra, and Vanderskiff families. Continue to shelter them under your wings and give them your peace. Gracious God, you are the giver of life, and you know the number of each of our days before we are even born. Just as we mourn with those who mourn, you also call us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Thank you for the gift of life and the marking of time in birthdays. We give you thanks that Babe N. and Mike B. will celebrate milestone birthdays this week. Thank you for their testimony of your love and faithfulness to them through all of their years. We bring before you today, Lord, the physical needs of our church family. We ask that your hands will guide the surgeons who attend to Rick L., Minnie W., and Richard M. this week and next. Give them clarity and wisdom in the procedures they perform. Father, we pray for and thank you for watching over Jerry K. during his surgery on Friday. We ask that you would continue to bring healing to him. We thank you for the positive reports for Ron V. We ask that you would continue to uphold Carol L., Art W., Theona T., Hank and Bev E., Maggie, and others who are struggling with chronic and sometimes debilitating illness. We pray also for those who are shut in, struggling with aging bodies, minds that are failing, and for those, too, for whom getting around or managing basic day-to-day -day functions is no longer possible. Open our eyes to see the needs of others, even over our own, and nudge us to reach out in whatever ways you call us. Creator God, thank you for creating each of us in your image, united but not uniform. We give you praise for each person who has given of their time and talent to help us worship this morning. For our worship team, Pastor Matthew, technology experts, Kids Street and hospitality volunteers, and for Pastor Sully who will bring us your word. For each person who is drawn to Pleasant Street, whether present in this space or joining us online from wherever they may be, 
May we be united as a community that together experiences Christ's love, receives Christ's word, and lives Christ's life. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, and we know that you are here with us now. You know our hearts, our minds, and the reasons that brought us here this morning. We ask that you would meet each of us exactly where we are and grab onto us with a hold that never lets go. Spirit, we are overwhelmed at times with all of the praises, acknowledgments, petitions, concerns, and confessions that we want to bring before you. Reassure us of your promise that in our weakness, when words fail, overwhelm us, or we just don't know what to pray for, you know us better than we know ourselves, and you are always interceding and praying on our behalf. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overwhelmed by your presence, Lord. Heavenly Father, overwhelm us now that we might experience you in a very real way, we pray. Amen. I also have the privilege of leading us in uh, the reading of the word this morning. Our passages this morning come from four different places. Um, you can follow along on the screen. Some of them are very short, some are a little bit longer. From Ecclesiastes, I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. From Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. From James, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last day. days. And finally, from 1 Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Pleasant Street. It's good to be back with you all. Uh, it's like coming, coming home to some family on a Sunday morning when I uh, get to make that drive down from Worcester uh, to Whitensville. And so thank you for welcoming me. We're continuing in a series during the season of, of Lent, and in many ways when we do a series in Lent, we're considering the invitation of what do we need to relent from? We're relenting. We're considering again what in us needs to grow, but also in order to grow, what in us needs to die. And the series that you all have been in has been called Harm's Way, and so it's been looking at the question of not only what is sin, but what does sin do? Last week, my good friend Justin Ruddy was with you all. Love Justin, love Caitlin, love Resurrection Church and what they're doing in East Boston and what God is doing among them. And the sin that he looked at with you all was sloth, the only sin that's named after an animal. 
some of the kids and probably some of the adults, the picture from Zootopia of the sloth character that speaks so slow, particularly in the uh, RMV situation, uh, because we've all experienced that. And honestly, I'm sure if I started to speak that slow, it would uh, disrupt the sermon this morning. But I'm not going to do that. Um, but Justin beautifully got at how sin is something that withers our humanity. And so he talked about how sloth it's actually not experiencing the abundant life that God's given. As much as we might think of it as laziness or not doing things, there's also the fact that it's shrinking us, it's harming us and having the abundant life that God gives. The question Justin asked is, what am I leaving undone is something that we can consider in terms of what Jesus wants to save us from And so I ask you another question this morning as we shift from looking at sloth to hoarding or looking at sloth to greed, is what am I grasping for too tightly? What am I reaching for that's not the healing that Jesus gives from his cloak that has its wear and tear on it from all the places that he went and where he didn't lay his head? But what are the other things I'm looking for? Because if we were to call this message harm's way, sin's way of hoarding, the counter that I want you to see this morning is the healer's way and grace's way of giving. So if we're considering again during Lent, what shrinks us in our humanity, that the harm's way is the sin that hoards. Jesus is coming to offer you with scarred hands and feet the healer's way, which is grace's way of giving. And the thing about it is, is Jesus talked about this kind of sin more than any other. And it's probably why some of us get a little bit uncomfortable when we think about greed and hoarding, because in some ways, when we look at hoarding, we think, oh, I've seen the hoarder shows. My house doesn't look like that. I don't have papers piled up in which the place where I live becomes a labyrinth because of all the things that I'm storing. But what else do we hoard besides possessions? Possessions is a good way to consider what do I invest in the most, what do I try to grasp for the most, but... We also can be greedy or hoarding with our time. Or we can hoard our compassion or our mercy from certain people. We can even hoard our family where we want to grasp too tightly and protect and we want to hoard our time and say it's for me to control. To go to another animated film, maybe the way to think about this sin is to look at Finding Nemo and are you the sequel that keeps saying mine? Mine, 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 mine. But the master, the one who is the giver of life, the one who is our deliverer and our healer, he wants to set us free so that the refrain of our record is not mine, 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 but instead yours, yours, yours. And there's freedom there. March is Women's History Month, and 
We recently celebrated St. Patrick, but I want to quote someone who's also a saint in the church's story, St. Julian. And she had this incredible quote, all will be well. And again, in relationship to this subject with banks failing and markets crashing and inflation rising, depending on what we're grasping for for our security or what we think we need to store up in order to be safe, we might say, I don't know about that, St. Julian. But listen to what she says to us, probably as a prophetic word coming from the 1300s and still just as powerful today. St. Julian says, O God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough for me. If I do ask anything less, I shall always be in want. Only in you I have all. And if we go back to our call to worship, which wasn't that long ago, but we can so easily forget, we started in Psalm 23, the psalm that Jesus' church around the world is considering right now. And what does it say? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. If the Lord is our shepherd, Pleasant Street Church, we don't need to hoard, we don't need to be greedy for more because we've already been giving. We have all we need is another way to say Psalm 23.1 or even I shall not want. And another way to consider that is you don't have to hoard. When the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing, you have all you need if you know the treasure that's stored up for you in heaven on God's throne, you don't have to be in want. You can freely receive and freely give. Because sin puts us in harm's way, but the healer steps in to show us the way. So I ask you a question, and then we'll pray, and then we'll step into these passages that were read for us. What if accumulation of wealth and false security driven by our fear-based need to be in control is actually suffocating our ability to receive and give generously from a merciful God? What if we not only participate in this sin by hoarding, but sin itself is crouching and it is actually hoarding life from us when we live in a way in which we grip things tightly and we have to be in control and we've got to store up in barns, and we say, actually, we need more. What if that's actually hoarding life from us and robbing us of what we truly need? What if we are actually participating in this sin, hoarding life away from ourselves when we think we're giving ourselves something? See, this is all about greed versus grace. This is about grasping versus giving. This is about hoarding versus healing. And what Jesus wants for you, Pleasant Street, is grace, giving, healing. I know it's what I need. Let's pray and ask him to give us what we need. Jesus, you spoke more about this than anything else because you know when we hoard, we're becoming less than human. Because God, if you are the generous giver who so loved the world that you gave your greatest treasure, your son to us, 
then when we don't give, we're not only learning how not to receive, we're learning how to not look to you for what we truly need. God, we need more than what we can hoard for ourselves this morning. We are in harm's way. Sin is crouching, wanting to devour us when we think we're making ourselves safe and secure. Set us free, Savior. Be the master in this mess. Counter greed with the giving of grace. Don't let us settle for less. Yet not us, Lord, but Christ in us is the peace that will make us well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes when I'm with you all, we talk about current events and we connect the scriptures to that. Sometimes I talk about films, and I've already mentioned Finding Nemo, but there's going to be a few songs today that if you don't remember anything I preach on, they might be something you go look up later. Because songs impact us. They can shift our perspectives. They can invite us into another person's life and help us consider another way. And so I want you to think for a moment. What's a song in your life that when you heard it, it made you stop? Whether it was on the radio, whether it was spinning an album, whether it was having your ear pods in or hanging out at a friend's house. Some that might come to mind by, might be a song by Bob Dylan or Billie Holiday. Maybe a song by the Beatles or Marvin Gaye. Maybe a song by U2 or Pearl Jam or Nirvana. Maybe Lauryn Hill or Kendrick Lamar or Taylor Swift. We could go on and on. I think if we were to maybe quote one song, that would sum up a lot of what we're talking about today is by Queen, I want it all, and I want it now. And the interesting thing is, though, is what do we want that we think is all, and what do we actually need right now? I get to serve as a chaplain with Whitensville Christian, and the chapel band they have there is amazing, and they actually have a song that has impacted me the last few years that they sing so well, called Empty Me Out by Liz Weiss. If you haven't listened to Liz's music, I encourage you to go home and listen to Empty Me Out by Liz Weiss. The way the song begins is, empty me out, fill me with you. I have nothing I can give to you. I lay down my life here at your feet. You give me life so completely. Tell you what, when they're playing back, I usually stand to the side because I can't help but move. Liz has got a soulful groove to her, and yet the power of those lyrics are profound and prophetic, and Joanna Graves can throw it down when she begins to sing that song. But if I want to invite you back to a song when Sully, who didn't have that nickname yet, was about 14 years old as a teenager, uh, it was a song by a band that comes from San Diego. Switchfoot, any Switchfoot fans? Anybody know who Switchfoot is? We've got a few hands raised. It's all right. Don't be ashamed. Not one of their greatest albums, but on Oh Gravity, there was a song called Faust, Midas, and Myself. And for our, the rock fans in the building, that might be a song you go back to and listen to today. 
But man, I remember when I listened to that album, it was in the middle of the album, and the pace of it was different. It was a narrative song. Probably at that time in my life, I was more driven by verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus. No, no, no. This was one that invited you into a dreamlike state. And I'm going to read some of the lyrics because it's, it just cut me to the core in terms of what am I living for? And of course, I'm 14. I don't have a lot of possessions, but I do have a lot in comparative human history as well as around the world. And I was just thinking like, what is this saying? And obviously, if you know the story of Faust and his deal with the devil, or you know the story of Midas and what he touched and what it became, and then you consider how am I part of a story like that with Faust, Midas, and myself, maybe you can consider yourself right now as I read some of these lyrics. This one's about a dream I had last night, how an old man tracked me home and stepped inside, put his foot inside the door and gave a crooked smile, something in his eyes, something in his laugh, something in his voice that made my skin crawl off. He said, I've seen you here before. I know your name. You could have your pick of the pretty things. You could have it all, everything at once, everything you've seen, everything you'll need, everything you've ever had in your fantasies. And then right at that moment, there's this whisper of a voice that comes in on repetition. You have one life left to lead. Later on in the song, the person says, I looked outside at golden shores, golden ships and masts with golden cords. As my reflection passed, I hated what I saw. My golden eyes were dead, and a thought passed through my head. A heart that's made of gold can't really beat at all. I still get shivers just reading that to you, and I got shivers in my room sitting there. My golden eyes were dead, and a thought passed through my head. A heart that's made of gold can't really beat at all. And then he says, I wanted to wake up again. It's a song of wisdom that complements the passages of wisdom that were read to us. Ecclesiastes is Old Testament wisdom literature. James is New Testament wisdom literature. And I'll read these words again. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. Isn't that interesting? I think a lot of times when we think of hoarding or greed, we think of the harm it might do towards others because we're keeping things from them. But in the midst of this wisdom, the prophet, whether it was Solomon or someone else, is saying, no, 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 I've seen hoarding to where it hurts the person that thinks they're helping themselves. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. And then if we jump to the New Testament in James, we'll say, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. In the days in which we know Jesus reigns, and not the masters of money or the masters of war. In the days in which we know that he's coming again, you've tried to protect yourself. You've tried to be rich. You've tried to continue to be young. You've continued to try to rule. And there's someone that can give you internal life. There's someone that rules and reigns with greater riches than anything you could grasp for. 
And yet what you're holding on to is burning your flesh like fire. Your possessions have begun and do possess you. Because honestly, the more we own, the more we worry about because we think we gotta keep holding on to it. And it eats away at us. I use the words rich and young and ruler because Jesus had an encounter in a moment of wisdom with somebody who had all of that. And he was somebody who was good. He followed the commands, and so he didn't steal from others and his wealth. But in the midst of it, Jesus had a moment where the only way he could be free was to look at the man and say, sell everything you have. Follow me. And in Mark chapter 10, it says that when Jesus looked at him, he loved him. Jesus wasn't saying this to trip the man up or to diminish him in any way. No, no, no. He said it out of love. All those things are weighing on you. You're looking at what you've got, but I've got something more you need. And if you were to take a practice away with you this morning, what would it look like for a week if your prayer was simply, Lord, help me to sell all I have so I can follow you. Help me to give away my time so I can follow you. Help me to give away the benefits I get that I think I've earned, but you may have given to me so I can generously give to others. Help me to follow you. And again, the rub might be, if that doesn't sound like freedom to you, then who's your master? Where do you get your wisdom from? Is it from the market, or is it from Ecclesiastes? And believe me, I'm asking myself that question. Dante's Inferno has been a classic piece of literature, and it's interesting when Dante sees the ones who are trapped in hell, and it's interesting with hell in Dante's Inferno, it's not a hot place, it's a cold place. Everything is frozen, stuck, trapped. Those that hoarded in our greed are depicted as being chained to the ground with their backs to heaven and their eyes to earth. You know what they say? Greed quenched our love of good, thus all our labors were in vain. Think about that. The posture of the person hoarding is like this. Can't look at anybody else, can only see oneself. Can't see any hope in heaven. And so it's just chained to look at the labor, and yet the labor has enslaved them. And they've lost their love for good. See, Scripture gives us wisdom and warning in relationship to hoarding, but because we believe in the gospel, there is good news in grace. Even if right now you say, yeah, with what little I have or what lot I have, I've chained myself to the ground. I don't know how to look for hope anywhere else except for what I can get with my hands. I'm constantly grasping for something else, and whatever I get, I don't want to give away. Well, there's good news for you in the New Testament. 
Because Jesus says, oh, there's still time. But don't think that you're the owner of that time. Godliness with contentment is great gain, is what an older, wiser person said, Paul, to Timothy. And Paul didn't say that from a place. He knew what it meant to have a lot, and he knew what it meant to have a lot, a little. And Timothy would know this about Paul's life and the closeness of their friendship. He would know the moments in which Paul had health, and he knew the moments in which Paul was hurting. But I'm sure Paul had said to Timothy, no, 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 when you've got Christ in the midst of all of that, you can endure it. Because this life is but a breath. And godliness with contentment is great gain. And so one of those moments in which Jesus talks about, so what do we do with this life? Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves in Pleasant Street Church the freedom in Christ, the freedom in the Spirit, the freedom we sang about this morning. Yet not I, but through Christ in me, would be to read not only do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but you don't have to store yourselves treasures here on earth. You don't have to be enslaved to that. Jesus isn't giving you a command that he won't empower you to obey. But do you want to do it with him as that freedom? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy or where markets crash or banks fail, where wars continue and inflation rises. Don't store up for yourselves treasures in this limited time. These will break in and steal. But, and again, we could hear store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, but in the freedom and deliverance of Jesus is, but with me you get to store up yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can destroy because I am the victor over everything where thieves can't break in and steal because I've crushed the head of the serpent and the one who seeks to steal kill and destroy his days are numbered my days are not and again Considering the image in Dante's Inferno, considering the song of Faust, Midas, and myself, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, the fully human life Jesus has truly come to give us as our Savior. It's not an empty word. As our ruler, the one who is full of eternal life, and his greatest riches he gives away to us. Again, we consider Paul when he talks about this Savior to the church in Corinth. You know what this grace is about. Though Jesus, who was rich, for your sakes became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Be like him. You want an abundant life? Don't grasp or hoard or control your time and your wealth and your relationships. No, no, no. All those things have been given for you to freely receive, but freely let go of. So you can store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can take it away from you. We've got wisdom here. We've got warning here. We've got good news here. We've got grace here. We're still alive to hear this word today. Today. 
there's still freedom that's possible even if you've spent decades in fear and captivity to wealth and possessions. Some of our hoarding is to the past. We keep all our good memories there because we think nothing's ahead of us. There's freedom for you today if that's you. Some of us are hoarding a version of Jesus' family, of his church, and Jesus is saying, I've got so much to give you. You think you're losing family. I got more. The gates of hell will not prevail against this family I'm building. Do you look ahead with me with faith, hope, and love rather than in fear that all the good days have only come behind? That's not the gospel. He's making all things new. He's coming again. There is freedom in his words. But again, do you want to still stay chained, looking down at only what you can do or what you've seen? Your back to heaven, your eyes unable to look anywhere else? Or do you want to behold the one who's come to save? Say, Mike, what does that sound like? Well, if we look at the parable that Jesus, again, spoke on this in Luke chapter 12, hear this in the message paraphrase. Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down even the good work I've done, my barns, and I'll build bigger ones. And you know what's so profound about that is this rich person that Jesus is quoting is abusing the prophecy to Jeremiah. This tearing down and building up was actually God saying, I'm tearing down the oppression against the poor. I'm tearing down what Israel has become like Babylon, and I will build up through your prophecy, Jeremiah, truth about who my people have become and who I'm still calling them to be. But this rich man says, no, no, I'm going to twist God's words. I'll tear down what I've already built up, and I'll make bigger things. I'll gather in all my goods and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and now you can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. And the message says, then God showed up and said, foolish one, tonight you die. In your barn full of goods, who gets it? Pleasant Street Church, during Lent, we need to relent from not getting it when it comes to hoarding. God is the Lord and creator of the universe, and everything good comes from him. The moments we've had, the moments we're in, whatever is to come, if there's good in it, it's from him. But if we've truly received Jesus, he's not one to hoard. And his words aren't something to put under a bushel or to salt your own steak and not give it away to welcome people to the table. He's come to set you free. And the invitation of good news and grace today is you can tear down your excess right now. You can hear Jeremiah's word rather than doing the refrain of the rich man's word in the parable. You can say, Jesus, be the cornerstone of rebuilding a life of generosity for me right now. Help me to be free with my compassion again.
Help me to be free with my emotions again. Help me to be free with hope and faith and love again. Not to hold it tightly and think at a moment's moment, some circumstance happened, I won't have any more. Because then it's only what you can do. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Empty me out. Fill me with you. All will be well. To give a real-life example of a horrific moment in history in which I don't know if any of us have quite experienced something like this. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist who also was a Holocaust survivor. And he was at Auschwitz, a place in which scarcity was abundant, right? You looked at other human beings, and the image of God looked skeletal. And you weren't sure if death was going to come right around the corner in a gas chamber. And who knows if a soldier was going to give you a meal, or maybe give a meal to only a few of you. And yet Victor testifies in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, those who gave away their food were most likely to survive Auschwitz. Think about that for a moment. The ones that didn't hoard what they desperately needed. By all human faculties of nourishment. No, no, no. He said, when I observed, it was those who gave away their food when they saw someone in need, that were most likely to survive Auschwitz. Pleasant Street, I know we're all dealing with hellish situations right now. But if we're listening to Jesus, and we're looking at that parable in Luke 12, the one who consults themselves about how much to have, they isolate themselves. That's what hoarding does. And if you're alone in a Jesus story, Life is a picture of hell. Let me say that again. If you're alone in a Jesus story, he's giving you a picture of hell. And so if you think you're all alone, it's a lie. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done, heaven on earth. We want heaven on earth. And Jesus is saying, I am Emmanuel, I'm with you in this. You're not alone. I got more for you. There's more to come. Even in a place like Auschwitz, where it seems like there's nothing left. To close my message, Maya City's been in a series on the Psalms to begin the new year, to help us learn how to lament, to help us learn how to cry out in desperation to help us learn how to argue with God and then at the same time know that we're like Jacob wrestling with him and he's going to hit us with a wound of grace so that we limp away. Psalm 112 was a recent one that I preached on. Verses 5 and 6 say this. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct affairs with justice. I want you to think of restorative justice. Sedekah is the Hebrew word. It's actually lifting up others through generosity and helping to free others through generosity. 
Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. Why? Because they've experienced the God who has freely been generous with them, who conduct their affairs with justice. And then verse 6 says, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. If you're like, Mike, I'm too far gone. I'm enslaved to my hoarding. Greed is my instinct. Be like the thief on the cross who lived his whole life in ways in which he was grasping for another kingdom because he wasn't just a thief that stole and greedily took. He revolted against the rules. He was a criminal. And yet when he saw Jesus freely giving his life away, even after he mocked him, because remember, the two criminals mocked Jesus along the way. But then it got to that moment where God's generous giving, gracious, non-hoarding, non-greedy love was displayed, that criminal looked and said, what? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This generous God is not hoarding his grace from you this morning. If you cry out in faith, remember me, the greedy one, remember me, I got so much possessions that are enslaving me. I think I got to get the next thing or I got to go to the next job or I think I got to accomplish the next victory or my children do or I, I am bent to the ground. I don't see heaven anymore. Look to the generous God on the cross who gave it all. Say, remember me. Good will come to those who are generous and to be honest, when it gets to verse six, verse 6 and it says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. Who wants to never be shaken? Who's shaken right now? It's the generous ones, the ones that give freely, the ones that are looking to do justice for others, the ones that are living in right relationship. They're never shaken. Why? Because they're not controlling or hoarding or possessing anything. They're stewards and conduits of grace. And they know they'll be remembered forever by the God who says, surely today you'll be with me in paradise. Along with Empty Me Out and Faust Midas and myself, the last song I actually heard for the first time last night as I was praying for this time with you all this morning. And it brings us back to our call to worship. It's by the Porter's Gate. It's called Slow Me Down. So often when we come in in a message like this, we're quick to think about lunch and we're quick to think about what do I have in the work week ahead and we're quick to think about this is what I need to do and this is what I need to get. Slow down for a minute with me and hear the lyrics to this song. This is the third verse. The whole song is amazing. But at the sweetness and the generosity of God, as I'm looking at my computer, and as I'm trying to finish this sermon, this song comes up. Slow me down. This is the third verse. When my table's bent with only greed and gold, and my grasping hands are afraid you won't provide, will you pour the wine that loosens up my hold? Set your table here 
with what truly satisfies. Oh, good shepherd, oh, good friend, slow me down. Will you show me now what to lose and what to keep? Will you show me now what to lose and what to keep? Harm's way is sin that hoards life from you, but the healer's way is grace that has abundantly more to give you. The Savior wants to slow you down. He knows what you can lose because what does it profit us to gain the whole world and yet lose our souls? He not only wants to give you back your soul, he wants to give you jubilee in which everything you truly need is given back to you so that you can be generous and never shaken. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, Father, Son, and Spirit, Jubilee was something you gave to your people in which in the 50th year, all that was taken away was returned Servants and slaves were set free. Property wasn't hoarded by those who had acquired, but given back to anyone who had lost it. What a generous God you are. Jesus, if your word has made us poor in spirit this morning, thank you, God. Because you said that you freely scatter the gifts of heaven to the poor in spirit. And we need your rule and reign more than our control this morning. We need your abundant life more than our life of living in scarcity. We need a Savior. So turn us away from sin's harmful way of hoarding into the healer's way of generously receiving and giving grace. Jesus, you are better. We believe, help our unbelief. In your name we pray, amen. So it's time for echo dismissal uh, for our students. Students in grades three through five are invited to come up to be dismissed for a time of reflection. It's good to see you, Garrett. Thanks for coming up, man. Anyone else? I know I'd probably learn something by going with them. Whether you're young in age or young at heart, feel free to go to the echo dismissal. All right, go for it, Garrett. Do I need to do it? So what do I need to say? Oh, sorry. (laughs) People of God, what is our prayer? (laughs) Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Amen. (laughs) Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. (laughs) So I want to invite the worship and song team to come up. The song we're going to sing together, and maybe this one's the one for you, is Jesus is Better. What does Jesus need to be better for you this morning? Consider that question. And let's sing over each other.
Create together, I dare you to believe with courage that this is true. And if not, hear it from someone else or say it to someone else. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It's a blessing to believe that. Because this Lord is the Lord over our lives, and he is generous and good and gracious. Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.
You are forgiven. Now go in peace to love and serve Jesus.